family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strawn, the president of Paradigm Security Services. We're excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in downtown, well, in Duluth. Uh, in addition to Paradigm Security Services, this show is brought to you, as you heard from the clip, by Sosby's Garage. They are looking for a good mechanic, and uh, they're about as honest as you can find anywhere. In fact, mo more honest than most places. On every show, we feature businesses, organizations, and people in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve the Gwinnett County. While all businesses and basically people have security concerns, not all are about physical security. And we'll touch on that and other related aspects of security as we go through the course of our shows. You know, today there's a lot of elections getting ready to go on. And there's a lot of hype as far as, not really hype, there's a lot of discussion with regards to state voting integrity, uh, where we went, where we were, uh, where we want to go in the future. And that has become a really big issue, not just in Georgia, but throughout the United States. So there's a lot of changes coming, and a lot of changes have been done. But one of the things that I'd like to do and I wanted to do was to uh, address the uh, race of, for Secretary of State here in, in Georgia. And I know most of you think that the Secretary of State has all the control in the world over everything that happens within the voting uh, area. Uh, but you're going to be surprised. It's, it's not as all-encompassing as, you know, and all-controlling as you think. I want to uh, say thank you to having my guest, Mr. Jody Heist, Congressman Jody Heist. Uh, he's managed to break away a little bit from that Washington, D.C. turmoil over there and come in here and share a little bit and be in our state for a few days. Uh, we're glad to have you in our state as much as we can, but I like having you right where you are up there in, in uh, D.C. too. So you're running for the uh, Office of Secretary of State here in Georgia, and that's uh, that, that office has been more in the public eye in the last couple of three years than it ever has in the history of Georgia. So i kind of like to start out with a lot of people know you and just kind of say, well, who is Jody High? So people that are hearing this and listen to it as we move through can kind of get an idea of who you really are as a person, what brought you here, where you're from, and why in the world do you want to go this way? Yeah, sure, sure, Rick. It's great to be with you, too, and thanks for your voice and for all that you do. Uh, and I'm honored to be here with you today. But 
Yeah, listen, that's uh, those are some good questions you put out there. Who I am, where I came from, why am I doing this? I have those questions a lot. Uh, really, my background is that of ministry. I was a pastor for almost 30 years prior to going to Congress. And uh, quite frankly, never was it on my radar to go to Congress or uh, any of uh, political office for that matter. I, of course, had helped a number of people get elected over the course of my time in ministry. Mm-hmm. but never thought that I would be one of those individuals. And basically what happened, we had a couple of battles that came our way in our church uh, in Barrow County, Georgia, and both of those battles took on national attention, kind of threw me out of the pulpit, if you will, and on the, a, a more national scale. And one thing led to another, but the bottom line, one of those battles involved the ACLU. They sued our county over the Ten Commandments in the courthouse and Remember it. Just happened to be our church had put those county those uh, commandments in the courthouse, and so very literally that ACLU lawsuit marched right down the the halls of our church family. We had a number of county commissioners and so forth, and uh, so that was one of the battles. I went before the county commission and I said, "Look, if you'll fight the ACLU, then I'll pay for it, so it doesn't cost the taxpayers of Barrow County." And they agreed to do so, and um, it was a life transforming time in my life. We literally fought for three years. We ended up losing that battle. The Ten Commandments had to come down. And at that point, Rick, we started focusing our attention on the state. And for another six years, we dealt with the state legislature. And I was very honored in 2012 to be in Governor Deal's office when he signed a new law that any uh, nine document, uh, there's a nine document historical display that includes the Ten Commandments, but it's basically the moral foundation of American law uh, injustice and Absolutely. that nine document display is legal in any government building in the state of Georgia. So that went right back up in Barrow County. In fact, that display is in the Capitol in Atlanta That's and awesome. they've gone up in counties all across the state. But that was one of the battles. The other involved the IRS and their attempts to censor what can be said in churches. And, uh, I became one of 33 pastors to challenge the IRS across the country and, so both of those battles just came our way, and both of them kind of pushed me out of the pulpit, if you will, into the public arena, and one thing led to another, and uh, our representative retired, and we started having people say, listen, Jody, would you consider running for Congress? And uh, one thing led to another, and here we are. Well, I know that was quite a race when you ran. I was, uh, I enjoyed watching that, and you know, I was familiar with you a little bit before, but then when you ran for Congress, I was a lot more familiar with you. And you've got a great story and a great history and background. You know, why did you decide to leave a safe space that you have right now in Congress? And it's safe for you. There's no doubt about that in my mind. And run for Secretary of State. Yeah, it is. Uh, the 10th District of Georgia is a very safe district, very red. We've got a great relationship with the people in 10th District. And yeah, we could stay there for as long as we wanted to, quite frankly. But this issue of election integrity, Rick, it has become the number one issue on the minds of people in Georgia and in many ways across the country. And what happened in our last election here in Georgia was an absolute disaster. Uh, As a member of Congress, I'm also for eight years now, I've been a member of the Oversight Committee. About two years ago, the Democrats started pushing for the passage of H.R. 1, a federal Mm -hmm. takeover of our election system, Uh, and COVID became the excuse. They started pushing that we've got to have this reform. We've got to take over elections on the national scale. People are going to be afraid 
to go to the ballot boxes and this, that, and the other. And so we've been on the front line fighting on that issue. And then myself and every member of the Republican delegation from Congress actually had a conference call with Brad Raffensperger March two years ago. And we informed him what the Democrats were attempting to do in Washington. They were trying to take over our elections from a national scale. Rumors were that Stacey Abrams was heavily involved in this. She wanted to do the same thing. And we had a conference call with him, urging him not to cave, not to give in to the likes of Stacey Abrams and company. And of course he did anyways. And through it all, Rick, I just kind of became not the only one by any stretch, but I certainly became one of the major voices in the election issue in the state of Georgia. In fact, had nearly 200 interviews myself alone, just between the presidential election and the Senate runoff, I uh, became the one that the media came to because we had been so focused on the issue. And listen, at the end of the day, here's the reason, I guess, just to answer your question. We are a country, politically speaking, we are a country that is based upon one simple, basic, fundamental principle, and that is the consent of the governed. Mm -hmm. And if ever the voice of the people, if ever the consent of the governed, as expressed at the ballot box, is violated or compromised, then we're in major trouble. And, and I believe firmly that took place in this last election uh, in the Georgia uh, election under the leadership of Brad Raffensperger. And it's inexcusable at all costs. We've got to defend and protect free and fair elections or everything else is at risk. And that one issue alone is what has driven me to leave a very safe congressional district to run for secretary of state and to help clean up the mess that's been created. Well, I know we had, a, when they gave in to uh, Stacy and her group, they gave in to a lot of stuff that, that really killed us that we did not have to do. I mean, the uh, the piling up of the boxes, the drop-offs that were in 24-hour-a-day drop-off boxes and unsupervised, there's just so many things that didn't have to happen that COVID had no effect on or anything else. People could still vote. I've been through... Uh, all the way through this, I've, I have not changed my life one iota. I voted. I voted in public. Uh, I mean, it's just, and I've never had COVID, knock on wood. And I may get it. And, you know, if I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. It's like the flu. Now, luckily, I don't get it. But, um, you know, there's a lot of things that happened then that just didn't need to happen. You're exactly right. And not all of it is... You know, you know, it, it, most of it is stuff that he could have controlled. Uh, the after the election fact, you know, that we, that's another issue we can deal with at another time. But, the, uh, but what actually happened coming up to the election, he very much had uh, say-so in and how it was played out. Well, you were the first statewide candidate in Georgia that was endorsed by President Trump. Do you think that that endorsement has really helped you in uh, your campaign? Oh, listen, there's no question about that. Uh, listen, President Trump is still extremely popular uh, in Georgia, especially among Republican voters and even especially among primary voters in Georgia. I mean, in ballpark of 80 plus percent uh, approval, he is deeply loved and appreciated. And look, I'm in Congress. I was an original member of the House Freedom Caucus uh, there were Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, and Ron DeSantis down in Florida, and a host of others. 
And we've got a lot of water under the bridge with President Trump during his administration in Washington. And, um, you know, for people who may not be familiar with the Freedom Caucus, we kind of refer to ourselves as the Republican wing of the Republican Party, quite frankly. I mean, it's a, it's a group of just uh, incredible men and women who uh, run on on and, and do what they ran on and uh, just an incredible group of champions. But uh, we've, we've developed an tremendously uh, tight relationship as a caucus with President Trump. And yeah, probably within an hour of me announcing that I was running for Secretary of State, he came out immediately. And this was March of last year. He came out immediately with just a glowing endorsement. And uh, yeah, it's been extremely, extremely helpful. And I'm deeply grateful for his trust uh, that uh, I'll be able to clean up the mess that we have here in Georgia's election system. Well, I know there are very few people that are actually on my bucket list before I pass this life through to meet and talk to and shake their hand, and one of them is Donald Trump. Uh, That's one thing that one of these days, it'll happen one way or the other, but uh, at least I pray it will. Uh, What, you know, Raffensperger's been in there. He's, He's done his thing. Uh, it was a tight race the last time he ran. So what is it that you would do differently than what Brad has done? You know, moving forward, what would you do differently than what he's doing? Yeah, listen, great question. And you, you were referring a while ago about some of the things that he did to create a mess, things that should have never been done and with my leadership would not be done. But things like sending out unilaterally, I mean, this was totally his decision, sending out absentee ballot requests to everyone on our voter registration file. Rick, I mean, that's just, uh, it's disastrous. Uh, You think he he sent out uh, applications to nearly 7 million people and had taken away because of Stacey Abrams, virtually all signature verification of those ballots. So there's basically no voter ID. He sends out these ballot applications to some 7 million people. The the big problem with that is our voter registration file is between 8 and 15% inaccurate. Absolutely. So let's just say we're 10% inaccurate. That means we're in the ballpark of some 700,000 people who receive an application for a ballot who do not belong on our voter files for whatever reason, small reasons, large reasons, whatever, some 700,000 people who should not be offered a ballot, especially one that has no identification. That should never have happened. Then the drop-off boxes, we, we saw, and now there's a movie coming out next week about the mules that were uh, some 242 here in Georgia that have yep. been uh, identified as going uh, from one drop-off box to another, ballot harvesting the likes that we've never seen. So look, these kinds of things, you, our elections are so critical. These things cannot be permitted to take place. They matter. And when they do, they've got to be corrected. And, you know, I'm I'm committed to do all we can to correct these kinds of things. And, you know, the, you know we've got problems for decades in Fulton County. There's been no accountability there. Uh, we have the drop-off boxes. We have third-party funding. Good and Mark Zuckerberg put some fifty million uh, million dollars into Georgia. The uh, the the way that funding was used was absolutely inexcusable. I mean, there's just so many issues, Rick. They need to be cleaned up, and you know that's our commitment to do so. Well, you know, the way that the harvesting went and everything was just 
was just crazy. And the bottom line is now that the, now that they did it that way, and it works so well, they want to put it in place as a permanent way of doing it. It's the way we're supposed to do things, and you go back to normal or whatever we used to do, and they they go crazy. They they it, it's all of a sudden a racist thing. The word that I think has lost so much meaning in our vocabulary today, but that's what they use. That it is, it, it, it's we're trying to do something to negate votes by just going back to what the pre, the pre-COVID way of doing it was, and that's, that's just and crazy. We need drop-off boxes. I mean, we we shouldn't even have them. What's the point? And now, especially SB two hundred two, put those drop-off boxes inside precincts. Uh, and they're only open during voting hours. So, so mm-hmm. if you have to drive your car to a precinct, get out of your car and walk inside to drop off a ballot, you just as well vote. I mean, you're right there. Uh, there is zero reason for us to have these drop-off boxes, but they continue to exist. And I think that's one of the it's things, crazy. frankly, I would push to eliminate. Well, it's crazy. And uh, just mailing out, like you said, mailing out all of the absentee voters, I can remember the day back when we did only you had to have a reason to absentee to vote absentee. And it had you were only there were only a couple of reasons. But if bottom line, if you could vote in person and you were going to be at home and you were going to be where you could, then you voted in person. That's just that's the right. way it was. And that's the only way we're going to get back to voter integrity is if we get back to the majority of the people like it or not. Get off their rear ends, go to a polling place. You people used to consider it an honor to be seen in the voting line. And now it's amazing how many shadow voters there are. Right. Absolutely. And listen, there is a place for absentee ballots. We have military Absolutely. personnel. We have, we have elderly. We have people who are sick. We have people who, for whatever reason, have to leave the country or whatever. There's a place for that. But it should not be no excuse, absentee ballots, and sending them out. Uh, like was done this last go round, automatically to everyone on the voter registration file. That is absolute insanity. That is a an ingredient for voter fraud, the likes of which uh, cannot be uh, put back in the bottle once that genie is put out. And I believe that's exactly one of the major things that we saw go wrong in this last election in Georgia. Totally agree. Well, there's a, a bill, the uh, SB 202, what are your thoughts on it, and did it really go far enough? Yeah, SB2 is a great step in the right direction. And I would just mind you uh, also, uh, Brad Raffensperger has been uh, adamant that this was the most secure election in the history of Georgia. Uh, if that were the case, which it absolutely was not, there would be no need for SB202. But this last election was so disastrous, the Georgia General Assembly had to close the gaps, the enormous gaps that were created by Brad Raffensperger's unilateral decisions to do some of these things that we're talking about right now. So SB 202, great step in the right direction. Uh, It does make uh, voting more accessible while making it more difficult to cheat, regardless of what Democrats out there may try to say about it. It's a good step in the right direction. You know, I would prefer that it would eliminate drop-off boxes and some of these other things, but uh, it, it is a good step in the right direction. I'm very proud of our uh, General Assembly for moving in this direction. Uh, and, you know, hopefully it will help us in, as we're coming up to this election. You know, 
only 23% of Georgians feel very confident that this upcoming election is going to be fair and accurate. That, those are dismal numbers. Absolutely. When only 23%. Uh, and that has all been created under the uh, leadership of Raffensperger. And, you know, SP202 is a good step in the direction to try to uh, deal with some of those issues and restore confidence in the voters of Georgia that we will have one legal ballot cast and one legal ballot counted. Well, it's so important, and for those that don't know or are wondering, this this SB two two hundred two is the bill that everybody was raising so much hell about on the Democrat side that it was going to restrict people and cut down on and be against um, black and minority votes, and it was cutting back. When actually, and I mean, even with the um, uh, advanced voting. We have more advanced voting right now than they do up in some of the, like Delaware, some of the states up there. Uh, so they complain about all this, but we, we have far more open voting than most any of the Democrat states up in the Northeast. Hey Rick, I think that's a great point that you bring out. You know, we had all this, all these accusations, and of course the baseball uh, game was moved uh, from Atlanta and all this kind of stuff, all the accusations and yet it is more accessible to vote in Georgia than even where the uh, in Colorado, where, where they moved the, the uh, all-star game to. So uh, all this stuff, it's just political theater. And I think we all get tired of the political theater. We just want the truth and we want to deal with the truth when there are problems. Let's fix it. Let's get it right. But quit the political accusations and all the uh, this stuff that uh, so frequently is blown out of proportion. It's just not accurate whatsoever. And that's one of them that you're bringing up. Well, it's all about power and it's all about control. And, you know, someone once said it's not about who gets to vote. It's about who counts the vote. Uh, I've, I've heard that numerous times, even in the recent couple of years. We well, no, it's not. It's about who casts the vote. And to me, we've got an election coming up here that a lot of people have got to pay attention to. That people think about these, you know, it's not November, so it's not that important. It's not that important an election, but uh, May the twenty fourth is a very important election in the state of Georgia. Uh, there's a lot of the nonpartisan going to be held uh, elections, and state board, uh, school boards, uh, well, Secretary of State, this part of it. Uh, it's important that people get off their rear ends and get out and vote, but. I always tell them it's it's important to vote, but it's even more important to vote informed. Uh, know who the candidate is. Look at the background. Look at what they do. Look at what they do, not necessarily what they say. Because a lot of people do a lot, but they really don't say a lot. And I'd rather have those than the ones that say a lot and really don't do a lot. Absolutely. And, you know, I think... Uh, at the end of the day, I think it's important that we recognize when it comes to elections, it's really not about who wins an election. It's all about was it a fair election, though? Absolutely. That is hard. If, if we have fair elections and my candidate loses, OK, well, I, I may be upset about that. But so long as we have a system that is in fairness, then we can work it out and we can get back to the ballot box next time and hopefully we can win again. But if ever our election process is compromised to the point that people no longer have confidence that their votes count, then we've got some major problems. And 
Uh, that that has happened, and we've got we've got to turn this around. And one of the things, quite frankly, that I've been stunned by this current Secretary of State is the refusal, the unwillingness, seemingly, to go after individuals with criminal prosecution referrals uh, for those who violate our election laws. Look, if if we're not if there are no consequences for cheating, cheating will continue to take place. Absolutely, so we've got to have leadership that will go after people when they do violate our election laws and let's keep it let's keep it fair let's keep it accurate uh but yeah listen the voice of the people as i referenced a moment ago uh with the consent of the governed that is just like a a heartbeat of mine that is politically speaking what this country operates off of and at all cost that ballot box uh, has got to be defended and protected well, and you brought up something just a minute ago that was that we absolutely was one of the biggest problems in the pre, the last Senate races, and it's where people think that their vote doesn't count, and they got that feeling that their vote wasn't going to count, so they sat on their rear end and said, I'm not going to vote, it's not going to count anyway, and as a result, we had two Senate uh, senators elected that really were not qualified. They have no business being there. The people that they put out were a lot more qualified than what they are. And and I'm, and forget the party, the people themselves, they're not as qualified as the people that we ended up getting voted out. So, you know, that's just, that's a, that's the choices, consequences that a person makes by sitting on the rear or getting out and voting. You can yeah. lose. You're right. We had some 300,000 people did not vote in that Senate mm-hmm. runoff. Who did vote in the presidential election? But for the very reason that you that you mentioned, they felt like their vote was not going to count. And as a result, two of the worst senators in the country are from Georgia. It's like, how did we get here? Uh, it is really unthinkable. As strong a state as we've been for so many years, and forward-thinking a state, it's like we've turned it around and gone back very much the way the nation has. Uh, people knew what they were getting. But they voted for it anyway in the in the top election top offices in our country, starting down with the president. It's been a disaster. It really has. We're Rick. I tell people all the time: we're in the fight of our life for our country. We're in the fight of our life in many regards for our own state, but certainly from a national perspective, uh, we're, we're dealing with a Democratic Party now that is just systematically dismantling the principles upon which our country has been so distinctly separated from every other country in the world. And we've got to stand up to these things. We've got to fight against them. And and at the heart of it is free and fair elections. And all of this stuff ties together uh, to the extent that none of us can afford at this point in our country's history to turn a blind eye to what's going on. This is a time that calls for everyone to get involved, to get engaged at whatever capacity they can uh, but to get involved, this is our country. It's our turf. It operates on we, the people, the voice of the comp- of the people, the consent of the governed, and let's protect that, defend it, and make sure that our vo- voices are heard. Well, the government is basically supposed to, is there for really the protection of the nation, and that's the primary goal. And it has failed in every single way it can possibly fail uh, and it's not this race, but the borders drive me nuts. But, you know, that's on your congressional end of it, just so you know. The vote that drives me crazy, it drives so many others crazy. But um, 
Well, what will you do as Secretary of State to ensure that these elections are secure? Yeah, great question. There are two primary responsibilities of the Secretary of State. One is the election side. The other is the business side, the licensing, uh, permitting for businesses, all that sort of stuff, the corporate aspect. And, and from the election side of things, look, we have got to enforce the law. Uh, we have some great steps forward now with SB 202. We need leadership that will enforce the law. We need to be, investigate, when, which the Secretary of State has robust investigative authority. Mm -hmm. When there are allegations of mismanagement or fraudulent activity, it needs to be uh, investigated. And where there is wrongdoing, there needs to be consequences. We've got to hold counties like Fulton County accountable for decades of wrongdoing there. Uh, we need a Secretary of State, I believe, who will stand up to right now to the Biden Department of Justice uh, and say, in essence, we're not in Georgia going to participate in H.R. 1. We're not going to let the federal government take over our elections here. The Constitution is clear. This is a state issue. The time, place and manner of elections are left to the states. But the Democrats want to take that over. We've got to we got to have leadership that will stand up to this national attempt uh, and we'll win that case, by the way, in the courts, because the Constitution is clear on those things. But it's I mean, the Yeah, I've, from the Dominion machines to on and on and on. And then fortunately, we're in a great state with business. Uh, we got to make sure that our licensing processes are smooth and that the, the great place of Georgia to do business is complemented by a Secretary of State's office that makes it easy for businesses to do their jobs. Well, real quick, we'll tag on. We've, we've dealt a lot about the election. A lot of people don't realize that something you mentioned a while ago, that businesses, their licenses, their, uh, for instance, with us, with Paradigm as a security services company, our licensing and, our, and all that comes through the Secretary of State's office. Uh, any of the problems we have go through the Secretary of State's office. I know right I know they may have increased, but there was up until a point, I believe there's still only two investigators that work for the Secretary of State's office. Or they may have increased it to three. But think about all the businesses. Think about all the permits. Think about all the complaints that can follow along permits. You've got two people to follow up and do those investigations. And uh, if you're hopefully the Secretary of State, I hope that you'll look into increasing that number of investigators because these guys, they really have to follow complaints. They can't go out and investigate much. They just have to follow who's who's the biggest who's the next complainant on the list, and for us in business, that can be huge. Yes, it can be huge. Absolutely. And listen, there's more investigative uh, power, if you will, on the election side. But yeah, that that robust cap capacity needs to be on the business side as well, uh, because if your if your business is not able to renew its license in a timely manner, you you end up operating technically illegally, illegally until you have your license renewed. Yeah. That's inexcusable. But I've heard over and over and over businesses that have not been able to get their license renewal in two, three, four, five, even as many as six months after applying for it. This kind of stuff is unacceptable. Well, I'm so glad to have you running. Uh, like I said, I've known you for a long time and I've known about you for a long time as well. And Looking forward to uh, getting out there, seeing you change over from the Congress into the Secretary of State's office. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you and wants to work with you, support you, do whatever they can for you, whether it be 
time, whether it be money, what are the ways they can get in touch with the Jody Heist campaign? Thank you, Rick. The easiest way is just my name, jodyheist.com. That's J-O-D-Y-H-I-C-E, jodyheist.com. Everything they need, what's going on with the campaign, how they can be involved, multiple different ways right there, jodyheist.com. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, you've got a you've got a good platform, and I know that uh, you're running hard. Every time I see you uh, on Facebook or anywhere else, I see a lot of my friends around you with Melvin Everson and a few of the others. And you're you're out there busting your chops and getting shaking hands and meeting people and letting them know who you are, and that is the most important way. So we appreciate you very much. Thank you for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services and in part by Sosby's Garage. Be sure to join us for the live broadcast every Wednesday here on 1130 a.m. on Business Radio X. If you miss the live broadcast, no worries. You can join us anytime you want by going to businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and, of course, clicking on Case in Point. This program is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, really wherever you get your podcast formats your favorite podcast, please be sure to subscribe to that case in point so that you can get updates on all of us. For my guest, Jody Heith, and our producers, for Mike, thank you. And I'm Rick Strawn, and remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets. <laughs>